0: In the 21st century, community banks face challenges on a number of fronts, from technology to social media to maintaining customer relationships and trying to figure out how to deal with the changes sweeping the entire industry. What can community banks do to remain vital? To find out, we'll be talking this week with Jill Castilla, President and CEO of Citizens Bank of Edmond. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the Managing Editor at BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, and welcome to Season 3, the first podcast of the third season. We mount a new podcast every week, and you can tune in, as always, via Apple's podcast apps, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And this week on the program, we take you all the way to Edmond, Oklahoma, where it's our pleasure to chat with Jill Castilla. Jill is the president and CEO of Citizens Bank of Edmond. The community bank just turned 116 years old in April. We should also mention that Jill is the recipient of the Journal Records Most Admired CEOs in Oklahoma Award and Bank Director's Most Innovative CEOs in Banking. And Jill, great to have you on the program today.
1: It's great to be here
0: big banks are hungry they're going everywhere for business how does a bank like citizens bank maintain an advantage and continue to have healthy relationships with customers
1: it's really difficult for a large institution to be nimble and scrappy and my customers and those that i reach out to to try to win their business they know who they're going to be working with And not just great customer service and being kind and generous is enough to win the business, but that high degree of accessibility that large banks are unable to attain allows a bank our size to be exceptionally competitive. People choose to bank with us not only because of the rate, But because of the social capital that we have invested in our community and that relationship, they see value beyond just an interest rate in banking with someone on the deposit side. And then the same thing happens on the lending side where maybe they're able to pay a little bit higher rate or a little bit higher fees because they value the accessibility that a smaller institution is able to provide.
0: Accessibility and great customer service are buzzwords that banks often fail to live up to. Give us an example of how Citizens Bank tries to live those values every day. I would imagine, for example, face-to-face time with the people who bank with you has been extremely valuable.
1: We typically in our history have leaned on being accessible in the grocery store aisle and at the Little League game and in the bank lobby. But with the advent of social media, we're now able to have our persona out there in the digital world and interacting with others while we're multitasking in other avenues of our professional lives. And so for me, that includes being 24-7 accessible to our customers and community using social media, using texting on the cell phone, you know, calling one another any time of day, getting Twitter messages, getting Facebook messages, getting LinkedIn messages, and being able to respond and be accountable to customers no matter if it's 10 o'clock on the evening on a Saturday or if it's during traditional work hours.
0: Many community banks across the nation are facing a struggle today where they feel their very survival is at stake. What sort of lessons can you pass on that might be helpful to banks that find themselves in the middle of a struggle right now?
1: Oftentimes, community bankers have received the hand-me-downs of what the big banks would implement. We would wait until our vendors were able to provide that accessibility to the technology that we saw that was maybe deployed years before with a bigger bank. But now you see community banks developing their own technology and really leading the way. And because they have such a great pulse on what customers need and want, even maybe prior to the customer really understanding that, community bankers are actually better positioned to develop and deploy technology compared to the the larger institutions. And if we will take some risk in doing that, then it will allow us to be able to have long-term viability. It's more of this kind of lingering, how do we stay relevant question that I think is going to determine whether a community bank can survive or not. And I believe it's a very accessible problem for us to overcome.
0: Of course, there's been a lot of talk that Dodd-Frank and similar regulations Maybe loosened in 2017, how do you see that as potentially impacting the bank if we see that come to pass?
1: I think the relief from Dodd-Frank, especially regarding the mortgage rules, is really a relief for the consumer even more so than it is for our bank. You have to deal with audit findings when you don't do things right, but I think to ensure that they are getting timely closings, that we have more common sense surrounding that and that they're not overburdened with paperwork and they really can start to understand better, even without this intervention, what mortgages entail, what their obligations are. On the capital side, I hope to see some loosening there regarding HBCRE, the potentially a Basel III exemptions for community banks, whenever we're having to allocate more capital. If we had some loosening of rules there, then we'd have less capital that would have to be tied up, and then we could invest more in our community by lending more money out, which would be good for the overall economy, and I think have a revitalization of prudent real estate lending in community banks.
0: Well put. Now, shifting gears for a second, there is really a lot of debate going on in the industry right now about how you attract and keep the best talent. One thing that we hear a lot here is that, well, I'd rather go work for a sexy high tech or work in fintech. The banking culture is stuffy. How have you managed to find, attract, and keep the best talent?
1: Um, I think that's a great question because talent retention, I think, is going to become an ongoing issue and attraction of top talent. It's going to be an ongoing issue for community banks and banks of all levels. The perception of our industry has been that we are not relevant and that we are stuffy. And we don't do very much to contradict that assumption. Um, We have intention and we act in ways and would contradict that for maybe a fintech company or even just other marketing agency and other firms that millennials might be attracted to have more of a collaborative type of physical work environment that hasn't been something that we typically have had in community banks. We just recently renovated our main office and have very few offices now. We have places where you can hotel an office and go into it and use it when you need to, but Pretty much everyone is in these collaborative long tables where they can log into any computer and work really anywhere in our space.
0: Did that mean rethinking other perks as well?
1: I think we also had to relook at our benefits as bankers. We have a lot of legacy benefits. I think we're solely getting out of the system to find benefit plans and other retirement programs, but we haven't really taken a fresh look at benefits and how can we really speak to what the millennials may be looking for, whether that's student loan assistance and repayment, which I know the ABA just came out with a plan for that that banks can utilize and leverage off of, or if it's having uh, free healthy snacks or cooking classes or some personal development.
0: And yet you've identified something else that you think is important too. Tell us about that.
1: The main thing with millennials is they're purpose driven and they wanna be part of something that's bigger than themselves. And if we can't differentiate our company from the perception of banking is just lending and deposits and uh, really not much in between other than the spread, they're not attracted to that, but as soon as we're starting to talk about that we also supply the social capital for a community and that this is why we're here, Citizens is here because a group of citizens came together in a town to pull their money and to be able to lend money out to those that wanted to build businesses and buy homes and kind of this crowdfunding framing around our business and specifically is our company known for what do they want to be that's how you attract the millennials they want to be a part of something that's good and they want to be a part of something that has a vision beyond just profitability they want to be part of building something and that they're going to be valued and at the table and there's just simple things that we can do and not very much investment to make banking the place that they want to be
0: citizens has a great foundation an old tradition has survived some of the toughest times, has managed to navigate its way through the tremendous transformation going on in the industry. As you look to the near term going forward, what do you see as some of the next steps to expand on that vitality and continuing to be hardy?
1: Yeah, so I think that going back to kind of nimbleness and scrappiness, and, and a lot of it is reading the tea leaves of your community to see what are the communities needing, what are the where the voids that you can fill. And for us, you know, we're opening up an unmanned location using technology that hasn't been used in the U.S. for banking um, yet. So, you know, trying to explore to see if something like that is viable and having 24/7 accessibility to a customer. Into to a banker. But how does that look like and is that sustainable and where the resources require that is something that we're pursuing. We downsized everything into having just one physical location. And so that's really allowed us to have some flexibility to invest in technology and to experiment with other satellite spots to see what our customer needs and can we fill a void. We also, as a result of consolidating to one location, have excess real estate still in compliance with all regulatory requirements, but we are using that space and we'll be launching a small business incubator type of space, collaborative workspace where our staff can provide programming and we can bring in external programming and have a base camp catalytic environment for small business owners and entrepreneurs. And so our bank will be launching that this year. And those both of those issues, those opportunities were really based upon conversations with customers and knowing what our community was needing. Three years ago, we launched a big music festival in downtown Edmond to really revitalize downtown Edmond and make our one bank location in a spot that would be considered hip and cool rather than a spot that was considered historic and old and just seeing that the fruit that has come from that investment in time and energy and money has been really exceptional and remarkable for our bank and so it's given us the courage to look at some other areas of opportunity
0: and as you explore those areas of opportunity we expect to hear great things from you jill great to have you on the podcast today thanks for making the time
1: and thanks for having me it's a pleasure
0: Jill Castilla is the president and CEO of Citizens Bank of Edmond, Oklahoma. Be sure to look for her on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one. The community bank value of FaceTime still applies, but community banks need to do more to remain engaged. Use social media to make your contact with customers, multi-dimensional and reach out to a more diverse, widespread audience that could become your future customer base. Number two, use your nimbleness and scrappiness as a community bank to develop and deploy technology. This is crucial because meeting and exceeding customer demands is intimately linked to technology. And number three, to attract, hire and retain the best talent, community banks and banks at large need to differentiate themselves, particularly among millennials and young adults. It's not just about capital that banks drive every day. It's about social capital millennials want to be part of something larger that makes a difference if attracting top new talent is a priority to you especially facing competition from sexy fintechs take great care to promote the message that you are purpose-driven as mentioned on the podcast attracting millennials and hiring them is a big topic in the banking industry right now. But once millennials get in the door, how do you retain them? Simon Sinek, the author of Start With Why, which is also his website, talks about the one factor that helps millennials feel at home and part of the workplace environment. And it begins with trust and effectively breaking down walls of electronic communication to make things personal. Listen.
2: There should be no cell phones in conference rooms. None, zero. And I don't mean the kind of like sitting outside waiting to text, I mean like when you're sitting and waiting for a meeting to start, this is what we all do, we all sit here and wait for the meeting to start. No, that's not how relationships are formed. Relationships are formed this way, we're waiting for a meeting to start and we go, how's your dad, I heard he was in the hospital. Oh, he's really good, thanks for asking. He's actually at home now. Oh, I'm really glad, It was really amazing. I know, it was really scary for a while. That's how you form relationships hey, did you ever get that report done? Oh my God, no, I didn't. I'll help you out. I totally, uh, can I help you out with that? Really? That's how trust forms. Trust doesn't form at an event in a day. Even bad times don't form trust immediately. It's the slow, steady consistency. And we have to create mechanisms where we allow for those little innocuous interactions to happen. It's a
0: fascinating point. How are we creating spaces within our corporate settings where electronic communications are put on the side temporarily so that we can foster an open and connected environment. Something to think about as we hone in, not only on what millennials want, but what they need. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. And as you check out our podcast archive, be sure to connect with BAI on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. And don't forget, registration is now open for BAI Beacon, taking place October 4th and 5th in Atlanta. To learn more about the Fast-Paced Financial Services Conference, visit BAI.org. Be sure to tune in Next week, when another podcast goes up, I'm Lou Carloza, the managing editor of VAI. We'll see you soon. So long.